the blood of Christ is not cheap. The blood of Christ is not cheap. How dare anybody say such a thing about the Lord? Oh, you preach cheap grace. He gave everything for me. He gave everything for you. Oh, you, you teach that it's easy to be saved. Yeah, because Jesus did the hard part. When he cried out, it is finished. It was done. It was done. My sin was paid for. They took his body down. They buried it. But that third day, he rose again from the dead. And that's a historical fact. I'm so thankful. I am so thankful. And the blood of Christ, it's not cheap. You know, people say, oh, you're cheapening the grace of Christ. You're cheapening the blood of Christ by telling somebody that it's just believe and receive. You're cheapening the blood of Christ by adding your works in and cheapening his grace and cheapening his sacrifice. If Paul came to me and said, Matt, I want to offer you a million dollars. I say, no, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have, I'll, I'll come up with the 999,000 and you can just give me the dollar. What I've done is I've just cheapened your sacrifice. I've cheapened your gift. So when people say, oh, you preach cheap grace, your church preach, you, all you young people, and it, I love it when people say that, because we're filled with young people here. Well, welcome to Prophetic Whispers. This is Elias Flores coming to you once again, and we're going to be talking about the 11th commandment mindset and what you just heard. Okay, what you just heard is an 11th commandment rollout of a sermon. Okay, because what this does, what what I'm pointing out to you in this this intro is the things that are not said, things that are implied, but things that are not said. Okay, that leaves things up to your imagination or leads them up to um, you drawing your own conclusions of what's required of you, old man. Okay, you know, and um, and so we're going to take a good look at this because what this implies, again, is the fact that there's justification of sin without justification of the sinner okay and that's what justification is it's not just washing away sins or forgiving sins it is actually doing a number on the sinner it's actually changing the sinner it's what we will call transformation it was it was what every man of god has gone through is transformation i'm no longer the same something has happened to me okay this goes way beyond belief isms that what i believe i just if i just believe in the blood or if i just confess my sins if i just you know what what this some of these uh some of these uh young guys that are preaching don't don't understand is that they're not doing using their homework they're not doing homework on these words because many of these terms that they're using are verbs okay action words yet they're saying well there's no action to it okay listen justification is a verb it's an action something that has happened to me something i participate in so when you start looking at discipleship okay what this does it breaks and it breaks the ambiguity of what the Lord requires of you. When you look at Mark 2.14, okay, we're going to get right in it. I got all kinds of stuff on. I'm going to unpack this week with you on, on breaking the 11th commandment mindset. So the intro was what the 11th commandment mindset sounds like, okay? It sounds, it sounds smooth, but it's really slippery, okay? It's really slippery, you know? Um, it sounds really uh, uh, scriptural, but it's real not, it, but there's real no scholarship to it, 
Okay, there's no scholarship to it. There's no there's there's no translation to it. There's no grit to it. It's just you know um, it's all God and not you. Listen, Corinthians says that we are co-laborers with Jesus Christ. In other words, we are working with God. God is working with us. Okay, it's the concept of of taking us, and I'll show this to you at, at the end. It's the concept of going from a disciple, okay, or a servant of God to a friend of God. Okay, I'll show this to you as we progress through this. It's the transformation of relationship. It's how God disciples us and brings us into an intimate relationship with Him. That we are no longer the same. Certain things that we used to do, certain things we used to be, we no longer do them because we are becoming like Christ. So when you look at Mark 2.14, again, we're going to get into discipleship. What does discipleship look like? Okay, what does it is not believedism, it's actually following, following the person of Jesus Christ. It is devotion to Him. It's being devout solely to Him, not to a bunch of set of rules or ideologies or belief system of, of sin and repentance, but it's actually falling in love with Jesus Okay, seeing him clearly and becoming, becoming more and more like him. So Mark 2.14 gives us this, this, this introduction, okay, or this peek into what it was like when Jesus called you, okay? Mark 2.14, and he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me, okay? Akalotheo is that word follow me, okay? And that, that word means to join me, to come with me, to be in the same way with me. In other words, in other words, it, it means to abandon your way and come away with me, okay? It, it reminds you of Amos 3.3 that says, how can two walk lest they agree? And so this is the portion or main piece to discipleship or becoming changed is abandoning your ways, okay? Again, the, this, this, this cheap grace message or the intro speaks nothing of transformation or becoming like Christ. It always talks about repentance from sin, never change, okay? Paul writes it this way, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, sin more so that there's more grace. That is the total opposite of what discipleship does. You become more like Christ. You become, you you actually begin more sameness. You're walking with him. You're walking the same as him. It's the idea, and I, and I teach this in leadership class, especially if you are a leader or you are you are you are leading a, a business or a corporation. You find this all the time. Not everybody that's with you is for you, and so discipleship or to be a disciple means that you are for Christ. Some you may be with Christ. You know you're walking with him. You go to church. You do your things, but you're not with him. When he tells you break up with her, this is bad company ruins good morals. You know you know you shouldn't be given to certain things. You shouldn't open those doors. There's certain things you shouldn't do. You know because because he's saying I'm walking this way. You need to walk this way with me. Okay, that's the intimacy of following Christ. Okay, Akalmatheo. Okay, this word means to be same, walking the same, being on the same road, walking with him. Okay, walking with him. 
you know, and being for him. So we are, so here you have Levi, and the name Levi happens to mean the word to join. So it was Levi that wanted to join Christ. He abandoned everything. He just left. Isn't that amazing? That the amazing grace of God, when God calls your name, you just immediately drop what you're doing, and you begin to follow. You begin to say, I, I'm of the same mind. I heard your voice. I'm following your voice. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer on my own road. I join your road. Okay? I join your road. So true discipleship or beginning to follow is a shift of mindset. It's the abandoning of one road and getting on the road with Christ. Okay? Getting on the road with Christ. That's the idea of following Christ is getting off your road. Okay? Which means you got to abandon. Which means that... The, that the sinful or the justifying of sin is not enough if we don't justify the sinner. So, so discipleship deals with the sinner, the person, the root cause, the one that has the impulses, the one that that has the issues inside. Are all of uh, are all the center of the discipleship process to keep us on the same road that nothing comes between us and our master because we love him and we want to be on the same road with him so again you see this picture here of uh, of a man just wa- sitting there and here comes Jesus and says follow me and there's no hesitancies there's no there's no well, I don't think so I don't know you know well let me go ask let me go ask somebody no no there was there was a divine connection that he was able to abandon his ways and just jump right in with Christ okay don't forget Amos 3 3 this is a great word okay because there's so many people that think just because they go to church and that that uh, that everything's fine and they're out of harmony they're out of harmony with Christ they're on a different road just because you go to church don't mean you've got it right just like just like you know just because you stand in a garage don't make you a car okay so you have to understand that this this idea of discipleship means to get on the same road to walk in the same way to actually be to to uh, abandon your ideology and receive a kingdom mentality so here is discipleship rule role number one is that I'm I not, I must be a follower okay a follower what does that look like? What does that feel like? Okay, Matthew, I like what uh, Matthew 10, 24 says. He says this, a disciple is not is not above his teacher, nor, nor a servant above his master. Okay, what's he saying? He's saying that the disciple is not above the master. Listen, when we have our own ideas above the gospel, above the word of God, guess what? We think we're greater than the master. So, in other words, we need to we need to continue to submit ourselves to the road he's that we are following him in. We need to stay in the same mind, stay moldable, stay workable. You know, dealing with so many athletes in my life, the the great ones were the ones that were coachable, the ones that were pliable, the ones that were actually um, even though they may not have liked certain things, but they did them because they know it was for the betterment of the team, or it was betterment their betterment. It was going to be something that they were going to need later. It was a new move. A New, a new tactic, a new pitch in baseball. You know, it was a different move in basketball. It was just something different that they didn't have in their gift set. But if they were, it, but if they wanted to grow, they had to continue to follow the training and the teaching. Okay, they had to continue to follow. So again, how can two walk lest they agree? You know, how can two, How can you walk with God if you don't agree with Him? 
He's not going to agree with you. The, there's not a special Bible for this generation. You know, that's what they that's what they really want. You know, they really want this. You know, and then it says this. And the and the the student is not greater than the master, but will become like the master. This is the transitioning of information, the transferring of information. That I become like Christ. That Christ is is formed in me. Okay. That Christ works within me. That because I'm on his road, I begin to walk like him. Okay, in the book of John, First John, it says, "If he, you abide, if he abides in you, you ought to walk even as he walks." There's also in the book of John, First John, where it tells you, "Look in the epistles, study it out, read the chapters." It's, it's it's a short book, but read it. It says, "As he is, so are we in this world." So again, we are to we are to move or to morphe or to change into his image. We should become more like Christ on a daily basis. We should be pursuing this relationship with him. We should be discipled every single day. Now, what's a disciple? It, it's, it's, um, it's, that, it's that Greek word that means to become a learner and an understander. Not just a learner. Because, you know, I believe it's Timothy that says that uh, you're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Okay? You're growing up. You're growing up and, you know, and you're, you're not learning anything. You're not applying anything. Okay. So we don't want to be the people that just take a lot, bunch of notes and don't grow and don't shift and don't change. Okay. We don't want to be a note taker. We want to be a doer of the word, a doer. Okay. A doer. That, that, that's a huge thing, especially to the cheap grace where, you know, everything is, everything is, you know, God, God deals with my sin, but doesn't deal with me. No, no. God deals with you. He puts his hand on you. He puts his, he puts his finger on you. Look, Jeremiah 18, the first four verses about the potter and the potter's house. Okay. And, and that's a powerful story of transformation of God doing something with the vessel. And we are all the vessels that God is doing something with. Now, why is that important? Because if he doesn't change us from the inside, okay, if all we do is continue to just say, well, I, I just confess that sin. Well, how many times are you going to do that? Where's your progress? How are you moving down the road? How are you moving down the road? You're not. See, the true disciple is following the word of God. It's following the footsteps of the rabbi. It's becoming like the rabbi by the teachings, by the principles, by the, by the doctrine. Watch this. I love what Psalms 11.45 says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your preference. See, the disciple seeks the word of God. You seek the knowledge of God. You seek the truth of God. I don't care what the culture says. That you know, I'm, I'm going to be dealing a lot with the culture towards the end with discipleship. Okay, what a disciple looks like, and and what the what the little cutie pies look like, and what the what the you know the ones that want to be famous and liked and all that. We're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna there's gonna be a huge contrast with what the Bible is requiring from a disciple. Okay, from a disciple. Okay, you know, amateur hours over. Okay, amateur hours over. It's, it's time for the professional Christians to step up. It's time for us that know better to start doing better and hold the banner of truth up. You know, listen, God, God just doesn't deal with the sin. He deals with the sinner, and that's me, and that's you. I thank God he's dealt with me. I thank God he's changed me. I thank God I'm not the same anymore. I don't see things the same. My perspectives have changed. My eyes have changed. My, you know, things have changed within me on how I view life and how I walk with him. 
for the better. Why? Because a disciple is free. Why? Because we desire his word. We desire his every word. We desire to build our life upon the law of God, upon what God says. So Psalms 11, um, 45 gives us that really good that really good word about that. Okay. Now let's look at let's look at some discipleship processes. Let's look at let's look at some things I think that will help me. I hope you guys are you guys are enjoying this little little intro into where we are going. But it's found in Hebrews chapter 5, 12 through 14. Just these two four ver- these two verses that um that will lock up the day with. Okay. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Okay, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and that you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is but a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses, listen, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay? Now, here you have this, this, this very rich discipleship um, scripture, okay, that's not very nice. It's not very, in fact, when you start looking, because some can, some say that this was Apollos that wrote this. Some say, same, some say that this is Paul. Some say that this could be Paul and a little bit of Peter because of the, uh, because of writing to the Hebrews, you know, a little bit. I mean, but regardless, it's the word of God and it's not nice. It's not nice. First, he, first he points out that some of you are not growing. Some of you are still sucking your thumb and you shouldn't be. Some of you are still tripping over things that you should be running over. He says some of you should be teachers by now. I like that word ought. You know, you know, it translates really well here, okay? He goes, for though by this time you ought to be. See, disciples takes you from the posture of being ought to to actually becoming teachers. If you're not discipled, you have nothing to teach, Okay? If you have not been discipled, you have nothing to teach because you don't know anything. You may know of you may know a Bible plan, or you may read a little book, and, and you're teaching from a book. But teaching from a book is different than t- learning from the book that leads you to the master. If you're not becoming like the master, you're not being discipled in any way. If you don't have an, ex- an uh, if you don't have an example in front of you, somebody that's walking with you, somebody that's showing you these things, you're not being discipled. You're not being discipled. And I disciple a lot of people all over the nation. From pastor leaders all over the nation. You don't do discipleship long distance. You do it face to face. You do it with somebody that is doing life with you. Somebody that holds you accountable for the knowledge. And Paul, and Paul Peter, or, or Apollos, or James, or whoever is the author, the physical author of this book... You know, that he what he's saying is that you're you're behind the times. You should be teachers by now. You you should be teachers by now. This word ought is 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 the word ophelio. This word means that you know what there's an expectation on you. You're not sitting in church just to be sit there and pay tithes and put offerings in and be cute and, and usher people in. You know, one of the saddest things that we've done in the church is we reward immaturity. Who rewards immaturity? 
See, only it's you know we have we have this idea of Sunday school, but nobody ever graduates into anything. It's it's an abomination to to the educational system. You know, we just use and you know we're going to Sunday school. Well, nobody graduates, nobody moves on. Everybody just moves on because of age. Okay, you got your you got your first graders go to second graders, your kindergarten to go to first grade, and and we follow the same patterns of this world, but that doesn't mature anybody. You know, we preach great sermons at church, but we don't we don't give tests for understanding. Does anybody understand it? Is anybody growing? That's discipleship. You know, the good coach does sit there and say, "Well, you ran that play any way you want." Can you imagine being at Alabama with um, with Co- Coach Saban and his philosophy? We practice the same play over and over, not to get it right, but that so so that we don't get it wrong. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. See, when you're discipled correctly, it's not so that you can get it right; it's so that you will never get it wrong. You know, the disciples are to be known by the love that we have one for another. What What is that all about? That means that we practice love until we can't get it wrong. You know, my wife and I we were talking the other day because, I, you know, she says, yeah, you know, discipleship, it, it distinguishes you from the world, but discipleship should be benefiting your home. You should have a wonderful relationship with your brother, wonderful relationship with your sister, a wonderful relationship with your parents. It happens in the home where your closest relationships are a reflection of the love of God. How can you say you love your you love God and you have a problem with your brother and your sister and you won't reconcile? How can you say you love a God that you cannot see and you don't love your brother and sister who are right in front of you? It's a principle. It's a principle of discipleship. He says, for you ought to be. So there's an expectation. He says, some of you should be teachers by now. You need someone to teach you again the first principle. You know what's the fundamentals? The fundamentals. You got to go back to the basics. Okay? You have to go back to the basics. The fundamentals, once again, instead of being far advanced to where you are now, you are teaching. Okay? Now you are. Now I got to put you in a beginner's class because you you are fumbling through life. You you know you're not where you should be in life. You're not following the master closely enough. He's a mile ahead of you, and you're playing catch up. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be that way. See, there's expectations to discipleship. You know, I give I give a book to to people that I that I'm uh, mentoring. I give them a book. You know what? Ninety five percent of those guys never touch that book, never read that book, never follow up in that book. And guess what? I don't talk to them no more about discipleship. They're not serious about developing the language. They're not serious about the Word of God. What they want is they they think that they're going to get what God has given me or the insights or the relationship is going to grow by communication. No, no, no. It's what you communicate. And if we don't have the same language, if you don't understand and see Jesus the right way and understand the word of God the way the way it's intended to be understood, then we're going to have a disconnect and they get disinterested because because of whatever reasons, their infatuation or they don't like to read. They don't like to study. They like to talk. They're YouTube Christians. Everything they do is YouTube. They, they're, they're visual learners. You know, you, how many of you heard that? Well, that's, how, that's why they can't speak. Because readers are speakers. People that read are speakers. People that, people, people that are just visual learners are parrots. They're repeating always what somebody else says. You've got to study. I don't want to be a parrot. I want to be a voice. 
I don't want to be an echo. I want to be a voice. I want to develop. And you develop that by words. You develop that by studying and reading the Word of God. So instead of them being so far ahead, guess what? They're behind. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews is reminding them there's an expectation. You should have been here by now, but you're not. I know. That's not nice. That's not nice. Oh, you know, everybody has their problems. Oh, everybody has their issues. Or everybody has their, you know, we start making excuses for them and they start using them. We give them more crutches. Disciples don't want crutches. We want to walk with Jesus. We want the miraculous. We want the supernatural. We're going for it because we're walking with the master. We're walking. That's what discipleship is, is walking the same as. We're on the same road. We're, we're in the same footsteps of. We're not following man. We're following God. We're following his word. Becoming like him. Because we're following his thoughts and his precepts. That's a different different sermon. I could go somewhere with that, but I'm not. So let's let's stay in the text. Okay? So we got to get back to fundamentals. He goes, I got to get you back to fundamentals again. Okay? Now tomorrow I'm going to teach on the fundamentals. Okay? I'm going to teach you on the five fundamentals. All right? First, the fundamentals. Of the oracles of God. What is the word oracles of God? Okay. So the fundamentals. The things that God said. Okay. That's the oracles of God. The utterances or the sayings of God. That's what that's what that word oracle means. Okay. And it comes from that. That's the word logo, logion. L-O-G-I-O-N comes from the root word of logos, meaning the word. In other words, it goes from the word to the word being uttered or spoken. But it comes from the root, another secondary root word, which is logios, to fluently speak. In other words, God doesn't stutter. Okay, He's not stuttering. It's our inability to hear Him. It's our inability. It's it's in our inability to stay in. In, in flow with him. He's fluently talking. I love this. It, it's, it's the logios of God where God's word is constantly speaking. He's constantly uttering. He's constant. You know, when you actually sit there and say, you know, I can't hear God's voice. It's not an indictment on whether God is speaking. It's an indictment of whether or not you know what he sounds like. It's an indictment on your hearing. It's an indictment on how close you are to him. It's an indictment on whether you're on the same road or are you even in the same book. That's discipleship. Discipleship keeps you in the book. I know that's not nice. It's not nice to tell people to tell people that you know what? Guess what? Um, I got to teach you the fundamentals of God's word again. I got to teach you the difference between grafa and grama again, even though we taught about it before. Forgiveness of sin, laying on of hands, repentance of sin. You know. The resurrection, healing, speaking in tongues. I gotta, I gotta go all the way back to that because we can't progress because you, 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 you missed it. You got off step. You got discouraged. You got dissuaded. You put your Bible aside. You listen, you listen to the wrong preachers, and you go, or you're going to the wrong church. You know, and, and they're not teaching you the Word of God, and, and and they're teaching you, they're teaching you stuff that's just not beneficial for the growth that you are demanding, and your gift is demanding from you. Okay, listen, it says this. Okay, Let, let's put this together a little more. Okay, we're we're 27 minutes into this. I pray you're you're getting this. Okay, from the beginning. Don't forget, 
Don't forget, it's not what they're saying. They they can flow out some good scriptures, and 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 it, it touches the it touches one side of the of, of the of the of the grace of God that salvation is of the Lord. It's, it's it's part of the what we would call the Calvinistic approach. Salvation is of the Lord. Man is totally depraved. There's nothing you can do for yourself. You know. And so the, the, all that, hold on to that. He's There is a truth, but it's what they're not saying. They're not saying this part, that you ought to be teachers. You ought to know the fundamental things that God has spoken to you and what he has taught. Watch this. It says, for the oracles of God. It says, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. You need milk again. What is milk? Okay. When a baby drinks from the breast of a mother, that's what you call processed food. Okay. And, and the illustration that we're using here is the fact that when you, when he says you are in need of milk, that means that you need wisdom from someone else. In other words, you're not, you're not developed enough anymore to even feed yourself. You need, you need, I need a better preacher. I need a better, you know, I need, you know, I, I need to go to church and, you know, they're not feeding me and they're not, you know, I'm not getting anything out of it. No, 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 stop, stop. Okay, you're just showing your immaturity level, your inability to not feed yourself, your inability not to search the scriptures. You're you're exposing what you cannot do and what you should be doing. Okay, no child, you know, a child is totally dependent on the mother. A child, I mean, a, a baby is totally dependent upon whether or not we respond to their needs and crying and we take care of them. We give them the bottle, we give them the breast milk, we give them all those things and all that is processed food. But when they get older, we expect them to start making their own food. We expect them to get the, the make their own bowl of cereal in the morning. We expect them to, to make their bed. We expect them to start doing something. That's part of development. And so when, when you start telling and you start reading in the word of God that says, hey, Hey, you what you need milk again. That's not nice to call somebody a baby. That's not nice to call somebody immature. That's not nice. Oh man, I, I God, you know. I just want to roll up, you know, if, if the preacher just wouldn't tell me the truth, I'd I'd be totally fine. I, I I'd be comfortable in my situation. Watch this. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled. Oh, that's that's just a, that's just not a you know. That's just not a nice term. You're unskilled. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. See, this is dealing with the justified. This is justification dealing with the, or the justifier dealing with the justified. I'm justified. Now he's going to deal with me. Now he's going to work with me. Now he's going to sanctify me. That word sanctification means to be set apart. Now I'm, I'm being set apart for my work. That means I can't be like them because I'm being like him. Okay, I can't be like them because I'm being becoming like him. I'm beholding him. I'm looking at his word. I'm being sanctified. I'm being separated for the work of God. I'm being separated. And that's what discipleship does. It separates you. Jesus always separated his disciples when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration. He had his disciples, he had his 70, and he had the crowd. But then he took, he took Peter, James, and John up the mountain. He separated a group, and he separated some people, his, his disciples there. That's sanctification, to be separate. And to know you're separate. To know you're not like the world. Because I'm sanctified. I'm being sanctified for the work. Amen. Amen. Unskilled. I love what this word unskilled means. It means without experience. Aperos. Per means without. 
You know, we put people up there that have no spiritual skill at all, no biblical understanding at all, cannot rightly divide the Word of God. All they do is read, read what the Bible says, and they have no intuitive drawing in and searching of the Scripture to get truths out of there, to get the the allegorical portions of the Scripture that that need to be discovered so that revelation knowledge can come out. Because we put people up that are unskilled, unskilled theologically, unskilled biblically, and it produces unskilled listeners. So, like I said, I put that, I put that, uh, that, um, that clip up there to see how skilled you are to listen to what's not being said, not what's being said, because ninety-five percent of people will agree with what he said, but they won't, but they won't. Talk about what was not said, what is not explained. Don't go up one side of the mountain and not come down the other. That's not discipleship. Don't give me one side and tell me there's no other side. Don't tell me I'm justified with sin without without the justifier dealing with the justified me. Clean me, change me, work on me. That's discipleship. If you look at the process of discipleship, you're looking at God taking fishermen and making them fishers of men. I'll get, I, I don't want to blow that too soon. But anyway, so unskilled. He goes, you're unskilled. Again, that's not nice. How dare God call me? It's not nice. Call me unskilled. Have you ever been on a team? And the guy just says, oh, you're not playing today. You just don't have the skill level. How many, how many parents out there put your kids on a travel ball team and uh, they didn't make the team or they're not playing much and you realize it's not, they just can't compete. There's a great book out there I want you to read. It's called Why Johnny Can't Preach. Why Johnny Can't Preach. Okay? Look it up and find it. If, you're, if you really want to know why preaching is so bad. Why Johnny can't preach? Speaks to this generation. And so when I began to look at this, unskilled in the word of righteousness. Why this word righteousness? Unskilled in the word of righteousness. They don't have experience in righteousness. That's what this means. Okay? Righteousness. Diakosine. Diakosine comes from that, comes from right teaching. Right teaching accompanied with good Christian moral and behaviors. So when you start looking at righteousness, okay, it's the equity of character. It's the it's especially in justification and righteousness. Okay, they go hand in hand. Righteousness. Okay, that's what Corinthians Second Corinthians says. He who knew no sin became sin for me, that I may become the righteousness of God. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What should my character be like because He did this for me? What is my responsibility in demonstrating righteousness, demonstrating right conduct, deep moral convictions? What is my responsibility? Oh, just uh, that's uh, up to God. He he made me righteous so I can live any way I want. So Paul uses a Paul or James or or Apollos. Well, let's just say John Paul for for the sake of for the sake of um, the flow of information. 
Paul says you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. In other words, you, you, be, how you live, how you live, you, 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 you're still limping along on things. You still cuss. You, you still got this issue I've been dealing with. You're still not submitting in this area. You still got these other things that you got to work on. It's important. It's important. It's important to really look, to really look at what the scripture is requiring of us. Not what some, not what somebody else is saying, but what the scripture is saying. Because again, sometimes we preach things and we say one thing and there's nothing on the other side. It's what I'm not saying that's important. And that's what you find out in the scripture. He says, he goes, you're, you're unskillful in righteousness. In other words, you, you got some character issues. You got some moral issues. And the only way you're going to break those habits is by discipleship, by getting under the Word of God and becoming skilled in what the first principles are. See, all the fundamentals will take care of all those issues. But we got to get back to basics. Watch this. For he is, for he is but a babe. I love this. So when you are having these issues, okay, I call them sin cycles, okay? I call them sin cycles that will keep you in the state of being a babe. Why is that important? It's that Greek word nephios, nephios, N-E-P-I-O-S. It means you don't speak. See, there are people that when your character is out, you're not saying anything. There's some people out there that preach, you ain't saying anything. Babes don't talk. Infants don't talk. They babble. See, don't forget, the, the concept here is teaching and being an oracle and understanding the oracles of God, understanding the Word of God. When you understand those things, then you begin to grow. You, become to, you begin to be skilled in how you conduct your life in all moral characters so that you can shine in darkness, not blend in and become a shadow, but you can shine in darkness. And when you don't, you stay a babe. What's a babe? A babe don't talk. You babble. You gaga goo goo. It's immature Christianity. It's nepios, not speaking. An infant. This is the this is literally trying to say a simple-minded person, an immature Christian, a babe, childish. Yes. Yes. This is this is part of discipleship. I don't want to be a babe. Well, then I better get discipled. I need to get under right teaching. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy, orthopathos. Orthodoxy, good teaching. Orthopraxy, good practice. Orthopathos, good feelings, good emotions, moral character. Listen, the church, the reason the church has bent its knee is because we have lost, we have lost so much moral character. We divorce just like the world. We fight just like the world. We're in jail just like the world. We've had, we've had issues in our churches with children and issues just like the world. We got to do better. And it's only through discipleship. And the portions of that's not nice. It's what you call physical, physical reality. Where are you really? What road are you really? What Bible are you really? Whose feet do you really kneel at? That's what discipleship does. It brings you to the feet of Jesus. Amen. Watch this. He says, but solid food belongs to those who are full age. He's talking about as you begin to grow, you begin to get into the word of God. You come off. 
You come off the opinions and the sermons. Listen, I listen to sermons all day. I listen to sermons. I listen to great men of God. My pastor's a great man of God. I listen to this sermon. I take it. I eat it. And uh, But guess what? I got to cook my own food. I got to I got to get my own meat. I got to learn and hunt my own knowledge. I have to I have to do those things. Why? Why does he say that? Because I want solid food. It belongs to those that are full age. As you begin to mature, as you begin to grow, as you begin to walk with God in a deeper dimension, as discipleship, you know, you begin to go from just a learner to a understander. Now you understand things. Guess what? You come a full age that those who by reason of, of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What is he talking about? What is he talking Senses exercised. That's, that's that word, the, your, your ability to perceive things, your mind, your faculty. Okay? It has to do with your understanding and your judgment of things. You, Because of the Word of God being developed inside of you, because you are cooking your meat, you don't have to refer to what somebody else says. You know good and evil. Your senses tell you what's right and what's wrong. You're, because you, you've gone to the gymnasium. That's what the word exercise means. Okay, It's the gymnasium. You've gone to the gymnasium of the Word of God. You have discernment because of the Word of God. you got discernment because of Spending time with Jesus, you now can discern good and evil. See, that's what discipleship does. It allows you to discern. Why? Because your senses, your senses, your 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 smell, your 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 hearing, your feeling, your all your five physical senses, they have been to the gymnasium of the Word of God, and you are exercising. In the Word of God, your emotions. And now you're able to judge good and evil. Disciples of Jesus know the real and never get caught up in the counterfeit. So again, I leave this with you today. God bless you. I pray that you keep studying, keep working in the Word of God. I'll pick up with uh, with uh, Peter. And his discipleship process, I'm going to pick up with that tomorrow. We'll get into some other things. But again, this is just 41 minutes of some some, uh, meat and potatoes about breaking the 11th commandment. Remember, it's not what he said. It's what he didn't say. And what he didn't say allows me to bring come to my conclusions on my own of what is right and what is wrong. And if I don't have a background in the Word of God, then guess what? I can't determine good from evil and I can stay in sin cycles if I'm not developed in the word of God if my senses have not been exercised correctly and that's what discipleship does it it works on your senses it works on your earth suit it works on your mind it works on every portion of your body so that we no longer are conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless you. I pray you enjoy this. And let's move forward in Jesus' name, breaking the 11th commandment mindset. It's not what they're saying. It's what they're not saying that's dangerous. God bless you.